the, the gifts and the callings that you've given to your people. I thank you, Lord, that in these gifts that they are for the good of the body, to build up, to encourage, to edify. Uh, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you know what you're doing. And we know that your word tells us that we know in part. Even when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect has comes, the partial will be done away. So for some, there's some people that don't believe the gifts are for today. It tells us very plainly in 1 Corinthians 13 that when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. So when Jesus comes, that's when these gifts are not needed anymore because we will have the mind of Christ at that point. We will know all the mysteries and all the different things. But we thank God that he's gifted the body, he's gifted the church for the times that we're in. And um, I'm going to have someone come up here very shortly and share a, a prophecy and a word that the Lord has given them for the church. And it might be a little different. You guys can have a seat. Um, I want to give a little um, introduction to that. Um, how many know that the church, and, and this church in particular, I would say um, I'm pretty confident that our church is probably in the top of leading the charge in this community, in this county. Of, and what I mean by leading the charge, I mean by like taking ground for the kingdom of God, for standing up and resisting the, the, the kingdom of darkness, for bringing to light the plans and the, 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 of the enemy that he would try to come in and um, disrupt and cause issues in the body. Um, so, so we know that's his game, right? That's what he tries to come steal, kill, and destroy. And he's been doing that for many years. And, and um, I believe that we're so blessed that the Lord has given us prophets. He's given us um, the spirit of discernment. He's given us words of wisdom, um, all of those things. So uh, I'm going to share something. I have someone share a word here. And I, and I want you to understand the purpose behind that. Um, the purpose is to edify the body. The purpose is to um, not cast shade on anybody, which I'll go into in a little bit further um, after the word is given. Um, but truly, I do believe um, when I heard this word, the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit immediately. I want you to have that brought and shared because it's for the body. And the purpose of that is so that it comes to light. How many know the enemy loves darkness? And he does not like getting his plans exposed. Amen? So I like when the Lord says, like, here you go, and wants to shine some light on something, that's his gift to us. So that's why I want this shared, because it would be foolish of me when the Lord gives a gift to sit on it and go, well, I don't know what that might do. I think the Lord knows what it's going to do, and I think it's time that we trust the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, so Patty, would you please come and share what the Lord's put on your heart? And then when Patty's done, I'll um, give some instruction on how I want you to go forward with it. The other night as I was going to sleep, God dropped a dream, and it was a quick flash of a dream that was just packed with detail. And it woke me up instantly, and the Lord told me what the dream meant. In the dream, somebody back here dropped a big very big snake and it was very bold colors it had the patterns of a rattlesnake but no rattles and it stretched out for several rows and it turned its head and was looking towards the door I knew instantly what this dream meant this dream meant somebody has placed down a lie against our pastor which is against the church it's it looked real that snake looked so real. I stared at it in the eyes. I was sitting here in the dream, and I was staring straight in its eyes. And most people looking at it would swear that dream was real, but it was a lie. 
It was a life in the pits of hell, and it had a purpose. The purpose was to keep the church from growing, and that's why I was watching the door trying to keep people from entering. But it wasn't real. It had no rattles. It wasn't biting. It wasn't even alive. It was a lie. And I want to tell you, the Bible says, woe to those who come against my anointing. You cannot talk about the pastor who is anointed and not, you're going to reap what you sow. We know the laws of the king or of the world. We know that gravity, if you stand there, you throw a brick, that brick's going to come down. That's why we don't stand under it. And yet we don't know the laws of the kingdom. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. We've been praying for miracles. We've been praying for God to have his way. He's having his way. We're in it today. There is no messing around. If you have told a rumor, a gossip, a lie, and let me tell you something else. I want to tell you one thing. You can't come against the pastor. You can't come against the pastor's wife because they're one. You can't say lies against the pastor's children. They're under his covering. You cannot spread lies and rumors about the body because that we're under his covering. We are all the bride of Christ. You're in a dangerous time if you have done this, and you need to repent. Thoughts sometimes pop in your head. You're to take those thoughts captive. You're to cast down all vain imaginations. But if you have told a lie, go to the pastor, have him pray, because you will be redeemed. I, I just I just want you to share the share what the Lord showed you. Okay. And then I'll give some instructions. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Patty. Thank you for sharing what the Lord gave you. why I wanted that shared. Not because um, I have something to hide. If I had something to hide, I wouldn't say you should share this. <laughs> Plain enough. Um, I'm a pretty transparent person. Um, what you see is what you get. Um, there's plenty of ammunition out there for people if there's something I may said or they misinterpreted or don't like. Um, whatever. But I want you to understand is the purpose of why I'm sharing this is not so that you can start going on a witch hunt and looking around and like, well, who's here? Who's going to leave? I kind of believe and feel like it's probably already happened, so you don't need to be looking around and trying to see who it is. If it hasn't, and why I think this is super important, if it hasn't happened yet, um, this takes the power and the sting and the bite completely out of it. Amen? That's why I want this shared. If, if someone had a plan or whatever else, see, God, the enemy thinks he's really wise. God's all-powerful and all-knowing. So he's able to tell the prophets, go, hey, guess what? Heads up. There's going to be attack coming this direction. So here's what I know. And this is why I'm not afraid to share it is because, for one, it's a gift from God. It's for the church. So we always want, I, I like the gifts. Someone brings a gift to me, I want to open it up. I might not, it might not be what I was expecting, but I know if it's from the Lord, it's a good gift. Um, so that's why we're sharing that. I, we're, if, if this does happen, and we're not going to string anybody up. We're not going to, I'm not going to be mad at them. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to forgive them. Because the Bible, Jesus said, if there's anyone among you that is guiltless or sinless, go ahead and throw the first stone. Amen? So we're not going to handle anything that way. And this is an opportunity, honestly. I'm thanking the Lord for this. It's an opportunity to do some teaching on how we want to conduct business as a family. Amen? So I'm going to take a little time in that. Um, in my experience over, over uh, my walk with the Lord and being in leadership, um, I had a person that I was in, in um, ministry with and had been in ministry for a long time. We were very, very close. 
and someone in, in the body, and this was years ago, not in this church, and I'm not going to give names, but someone in the body had come into a service at the tail end of a service and saw something, and they built this whole thing about something they saw in about a 10-second amount of time that, lit, that was not, there was nothing, it was, nothing had been wrong except for him praying for somebody. And they t- took in their mind this whole thing that we had let this person and a um, young woman be alone for like long periods of time and went to the pastor and said all this stuff, not knowing that, well, for one, I was the pastor in charge. I knew what was going on and said, go ahead. And I was right outside. We had these flinging doors that would go between the, there was a bunch of youth and a bunch of other stuff going on. So I was just standing in there and I'd peek in once in a while, okay, they're about done. And so anyways, this individual goes, and instead of coming to me and saying, hey, pastor, I'm a little concerned, because if they had come to me, I would have been able to dispel what was going on and say, well, actually, this is what I know what was going on, and I asked him to, to pray. And this was someone that wasn't like a, they were like, had known each other for a very, 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 very long time, like since a little girl, like family. And it was kind of ridiculous, but I got upset because it's like, you know what, if you'd have just come to me, and asked, I could have told you what was going on, and then my senior pastor would have never had to have that thought in their mind about this individual. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's some ways to conduct business. Had they followed kind of the chain of command, so I, so I want you to know, if there's an issue in the church, and yes, you can always go to the pastor, but it doesn't always need to go to the pastor. If you witness something firsthand, and someone tells you something that you know is not true and you were involved, deal with it. Right there. Say, hey, you know what? Actually, I was there. I, I saw what happened, and that's not what happened. And then you don't have to go, like, going and having other people, like, get, get shade, you know, put on them. That doesn't need to happen. Amen? If you do, now here's what I don't need. And I don't need anyone going and covering me, or we don't, in our own staff. I don't need people running around covering me saying that, well, Pastor Steve wouldn't do it because I know, and you don't know. You hear me? I, I'm not, I don't need a bunch of extra people to like go and like, I'm, I'm not worried, just so you know. Like, I know we're in a fight, we're taking ground, and the enemy's upset. Good, let him be. Like, he can be mad all he wants, it ain't gonna work. No weapon formed against us is gonna pro- prosper, amen? amen? Especially when we walk in the light as he's in the light. So, I don't need people with extra help, or I don't need you guys looking around going, well, who could it be? Please don't do that. It's no different than when we have like, we have rattlesnakes here. A lot of them in this tree around the property. So there's snakes. So what do we do with that? Like, what do we do when we go, when I'm hiking or I go fishing or I go hunting? I don't not go because there's rattlesnake. I just know that there could be a snake. And I'm not even like, oh my gosh, where's the snakes at? And I just go about my business. If I see one, I'm like, that's a snake. <laughs> Take a shovel. Deal with it. Amen? So does that make sense? There's a lot. It's not too complicated. Let's, let's walk in the light. Let's, you know, build up one another, encourage one another. If you see something going on, address it. Biblically, we're supposed to go to the person first. If there's something going on and you hear something like, I don't know about that. That seems interesting. Go to them. Talk to them. It's a, I know it's a wonderful concept. It doesn't happen a whole lot. Don't go to Facebook. Don't go to the social media and well, blah, 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 blah. we see all that going on. Like, there's no need for that. And, and just so you know, that's happened a couple times with me. 
when we preach the truth, it sometimes is offensive. Jesus said that they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Why? Because he was the truth. He was the light. And he says, darkness hates the light. So there will probably be more of that as we go forward. And I haven't, to this point, needed to go and have a rebuttal on Facebook about it. Okay, say what you want. I wanted to at one point, not so I could get even with them, just because I wanted to give like a serious warning, like, you need to be careful. Not because, um, no disrespect, Patty, not because like, um, I'm the anointed one. We're all the anointed one. Amen. We're all the anointed one. I'm not special. I need you to hear me. I know a lot of pastors, a lot of people we want, and it's easy to take on this because I'm standing up here and you're sitting down there. But I'm not anything special. Like, don't touch the anointed. That, that's, if you're a child of God, you're anointed. Like, don't say anything about my brother over here. Don't say anything about my sister over here. Don't say nothing about their family. I'm not that special. I hope you hear my heart. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of the Most High, just like you are. I'm in a little different position. There's more responsibility in my position, but that's on me, <laughs> not on you. You hear me? Now, yeah, we do reap what we sow, but that's going to happen. Like, gravity works the same for a pastor or a non-pastor. There's certain laws. There's certain things that are going to happen no matter what. Amen? You hear me? Are we okay? Like, not to weird anybody out, but I just believe, and I, when, I, when Patty first shared that with me, I was instantaneously like, you need to have that shared. And I know there's some people who say, well, I don't know why you're doing that. You shouldn't do that. Well, I would hate to, when the Lord brings a gift to you, to not share that gift. And, and it's a great opportunity, because I don't think as we go forward in this, as times, I don't know if you noticed, but it's not getting better. The, 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 the darkness is very angry. The, 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 the man of lawlessness, the spirit of Antichrist is very upset and angry. So we will see more of this kind of stuff happen. So we need to ha know how to handle it. Is that fair enough? All right. Praise the Lord. A little bit of business um, to take care of. Godly business. It's all good stuff. Um, and we can get into the message. Is anyone else hot? No? no? Praise the Lord. <laughs> if, I ever, if I ever get to design a church or build a church, I'm going to be in the bottom where it's nice and cool, and everyone else could be like on a slanted up where it's warm. That would be so beautiful. If someone ever wanted to get rid of an old movie theater and donate it or build one like that here in this area, I would love to have a church there. Because you wouldn't think so, but just this much higher, it is hot up here. It might be cold down there. Stop it. it is. I'm serious. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay. But Holy Spirit... I would love for the wind to come and cool me off. <laughs> or the water. That would be great, too. <laughs> so you guys have been, like, the first service, you guys have been awesome. Like, you have been getting through the messages. Um, you got the messages. The second service, I don't know. They must be a much rowdier bunch because they've got, like, two weeks in a row of, like, no notes, just word from the Lord. And you guys got a mix, so you guys must be doing things a little bit better. I don't know what's going on with that, but um, I have to wrap up last week's message to them before I can give them what you're going to get, which is always fun when wrestling with the Lord about, Lord, what do you want to do? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because these guys got it, and now we're off, and if I keep, you don't want to be doing what I'm doing, let me tell you. So if you have your Bibles, 
Turn to Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to go to the message of Philadelphia, to the letter of Philadelphia. This is such a great letter. Now, as you're there, I'm going to give you the history of Philadelphia, a little background, the geography, the culture of this area. So Philadelphia was a um, Lydian city founded by Attalus II of Philadelphus. That was his name in 189 BC. This king was named because of his devotion and love of his brother, Amos, which was celebrated by a two-headed coin of each of them. So pretty cool. Like their love, that's where you get Philadelphia, brotherly love. Um, they, he had such a love for his brother, and, and he always was with them, had his back, that they built for this city. The coin that they used was two-headed, one of, the, one of the king and one of his brother, which is very rare. You'd always usually have a head of, like, whoever's in charge or whoever you want to honor. So this was a two-headed coin. Um, Philadelphia was um, the youngest of the cities and was of the seven cities that we're talking about and was known for wine production. Dionysus, the god of wine, was the primary deity. Surprise, surprise. And in my notes, I put party on, Wayne. <laughs> party on, Garth. <laughs> um, when your city is known for wine production and your, your god that you worship is uh, the god of wine, I'm guessing it's, it's hopping pretty good over there. Amen? It was uh, part of the imperial post road from Rome to Troas to Pergamos to Sardis. It was a gateway to the high central plateau of Asia Minor, and it lies under Mount Temelis and a wide vowel which opens up to the Hermas Valley. You're going, great. I just want you to have a picture of what's going on here. How many have been to the wine country? Beautiful, right? Beautiful country. This is hillsides, valleys, beautiful country um, at the base of a mountain. Um, it says it was, uh, the area is disastrously seismic, and there was a great earthquake in AD 17 that completely destroyed it. Philadelphia, and why I'm giving you some of this, you're going to see some of this detail that the Lord and Jesus is speaking to the church as we go through the letter, specific, and he does this in each one. Um, so it was disastrously seismic, great earthquakes of AD 17 completely destroyed it. Philadelphia was tormented for 20 years of aftershock, aftershocks and reoccurrent quakes. Can you imagine? Uh, it was so much so that that people started that like lived in that area, in that city, they, for quite a while, they were like living outside town a little bit while they're building. And they started building things with major columns and pillars. That's why Jesus is going to speak to them about pillars. Um, but it was a very tumultuous place. It was, um, they weren't settled. It wasn't peaceful. It wasn't real easy feeling. How many know like when the ground's shaking a lot, you're not, it's, a, it's not the peaceful, easy, easy feeling. Amen. So that was um, what was going on there. But it was a beautiful area. And, and apparently um, the wine was so amazing that they stuck it out. I guess. I don't know. I think I would have moved. But. Says the city was renamed um, Neo Caesarea in gratitude of Tiberius, who generous who was generous during the earthquake relief, but the name never stuck. So this city actually was was named multiple times and tried to be given different names. But how many know? Like just like when you grow up with a kid or you grow up with someone, a cousin, and they're named Mikey or Stevie or whatever to them. Like as you get older, you might be like, I don't go by that anymore. I go by Stephen. Well, your family and people who've known and grown up with you as Stevie, they don't really care. They're going to call you Stevie, or they're going to call you Mikey, or they're going to call you Stinker, or whatever the heck your little nickname was as a kid. Those who grew up with that, and that's how it was in this area. Like, they tried, kept trying to rename this city different things, but it was, 
It's been Philadelphia. We've always known it as Philadelphia, so it never stuck. Um, that's important because the Lord talks about name to this city. So he's speaking things that they're going to understand. Um, what else? The city was renamed. It always would be preferred to by Philadelphia. The city was set up as an outpost. This is pretty cool. It was set up as an outpost to promote Greek culture to the communities in that region as a kind of missionary outpost. It was set up and designed to be an outpost and, and give um, the Greek culture and send it out to all the area. And the church used that to spread the gospel. Isn't that encouraging? Sometimes the enemy will put, put a church in an area or the, will use the area for his plan and set up like this road system and, and, the, and they have placed their, their, their ability to, to like send out the Greek culture and use it as a missionary effort. And then this little church shows up and they're like, hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> They've already got these roads and systems set up and their carriers going out and we can send the gospel with them. And so that's what, that's what um, this church was doing. Um, it says uh, the church used to spread the gospel. Jesus speaks no condemnation in their letters, just like Smyrna. This church gets no condemnation to it. There's only two churches in the letters. Smyrna, which was the persecuted church. Jesus didn't say anything negative to that church. He just encouraged them. Same thing with Philadelphia. They're doing it right. We need to pay attention to this. And yes, um, every church likes to say, well, we're the church of Philadelphia. They don't get no condemnation. No one ever says, like, I'm the church of Sardis, the dead one. They're like, oh, we associate with Philadelphia. That's us. Um, and we did have a prophetic word sometime back before I ever even got into this that someone came up and said to me, Pastor, I feel the Lord wants you to know that, that our church is the church of Philadelphia. I was like, praise the Lord. I love that. I'll take that. Amen? Um, honestly, there's a little part of every single church in us <laughs> as an individual and as a church. But if the main part is Philadelphia, I am good with that because I like new life and I believe there is new life here and it's not a dead church. Amen. But just like Smyrna, um, they had no condemnation word spoke to them. And interesting thing here, and, and a crown is given to both of these churches. No bad word, nothing spoke to them, and a crown's given to both of them. And, and, and we're going to see later when we get into chapter 4 why I believe that's very significant. Um, he says to, just like Smyrna, and also speaks of a, a crown. The Smyr to Smyrna, he said, if, if they were faithful, he would give them the crown of life. To Philadelphia, he said, I am coming quickly, hold fast to what you have, in order that no one takes your crown. If he's telling this church to hold fast to what they have so that no one takes their crown, I'm kind of on the side to think they must already have it. If he's telling you, hold on to what you have so you don't lose your crown, you must be in possession of a crown. I think you need to understand this. We actually probably right now are in possession, if you're a believer, of a crown, the crown of righteousness. We're a, we are set apart people. We're special Kingdom priests. That's why I'm saying I'm not special. We're all special. We're all special. We've been called kingdom priests to our God. That's, a, that's like a very elite group of people. The, the Jewish people and the, the dispensation before the church age was not kingdom priests. And there was other people that were saved during that time, not just Jews. And there's, there's people in the church age, not just the Gentile church that are Christians that are saved. But and after this, Daniel's 70th week, is the, there is no church age anymore. There's a special period of time, and we are in it, and, he, and we are kingdom priests. Kingdom priests. Kingdom means kingship, authority, 
ruling and priest that makes intercession, that goes in and, and can make intercession for people. So if someone's messing up, we can go in and pray for intercession. We can make intercession for our families, for our homes that we live in. That's a beautiful thing. Nowhere in the Old Testament is there a crossing of that except for one person, Melchizedek. And Jesus in the New Testament. He's a king and a priest. There's one other. You. That's it. There's no one else. No one before the new covenant and no one after the rapture is kingdom priest. There's certain clothing that comes with that. There's certain adorn, adornment that comes with that. We talked about the clothing last week. Amen? You have certain raiment that's clean, and we're charged to keep it clean. That was the same words used for the Old Testament priests, the, the garb that they wore. So we're in a really great company. Amen? I believe we are. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm not nothing special. We're all special. Amen? We are all called kingdom priests. We, are all, we all have the same abilities and authority, which we're going to get into. Like, it's ridiculously awesome. We need to understand that. So, I've got 15 minutes now. You got the intro. You're going to get a point. <laughs> First point. Well, shoot, we better read the text. Revelation chapter 3, 7 through 13. Now, some of this may pop out since we just gave some explanation. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. Boy, that's an intro. I know your deeds. He says that to each one. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power. Now, that's not a knock. I understand this is a small group of believers in a very, very riotous area that's like full of drunkenness and wine production. And this is a little small church that's like evangelizing and doing things well. And he's saying, you have a little power. That's good. Like church, if we hear the Holy Spirit say, New Life, you have a little power. Woo! Heck yeah. That's awesome. Because I know who has a lot of power. <laughs> Amen? That little bit of power is coming from him. He says, and you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance or patience, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world. I wonder what that could be. To test those who dwell upon the earth. Really, it means to, or that identify with the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have in order that no one takes your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. See, no more shaken. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write upon him the name of my God. He's going to write upon them the name. That name that in that city had been changed a bunch of times. He says, no, I'm writing on you a name. We were singing about the name earlier. I'm going to write upon you a name, the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'll tell you what, that's a good letter. 
So let's look at the first point. <clears throat> and I can only give, we're only going to do part of the title this morning. We can't even do the whole title because this title ain't no joke. So let's look at he. He says, I am he who is holy, true, and has the key of David, says. And he goes on, to, and he who opens and no one can shut and shut and no one can open. But let's just look at the holy, true, and the key of David says. So he is the holy one, which is a title of God. Jesus is declaring, showing that to, to us and to this church that he is the divine God. He says, I am, I am the holy one, which is a title of God, showing he's divine, shares the holiness of God the Father. And we see that, um, which we'll reference in another verse in Psalm 16.10. He's, remember, David prophesied that he would not let his holy one rot in the grave. That was prophesied. And there's like 600-something prophecies. It's so amazing of before Jesus comes and and uh, even in this one, that's why he's identifying himself. I'm the Holy One. He's saying, I am God. I am divine. I'm not just some Joe Smo with the name Jesus. I'm the one. Amen? He goes on and says that he is true. Well, how many know what he's basically saying is, I'm not a fake. Didn't he tell us there'd be a lot of fakes come? Jesus says, wanting us to know, like, look, I'm holy and I'm true. I'm not false. I'm not a false God. I'm not the false Messiah. I'm the genuine one. That's what he's saying. I'm the genuine one. How many know that's important? Not an artificial or a copy. He's basically saying, I'm not the Antichrist. That's really what he's saying. A lot of us want to look at the word Antichrist and we say, well, this is just an individual that's going to be against Christ and against God. Really, the name Antichrist means counterfeit, a fake, a false, not the real deal, not the genuine article. Jesus is identifying in part of that name, I'm the genuine article, not the false one, not the fake one. Like, you don't need to look any further, I'm it. And that's what he did when he came on the earth, amen? He was identifying himself. That's why they're wanting to stone him. Like, you can't say you're God. He's the truth. What's he going to say, that he's not? No, he is. So he's identifying that and making that claim. He is the genuine, he goes on to say, and he has the key of David, says. Now, I know this is a little redundant, but I need you to understand what Jesus is saying in this introduction, because this is a great letter. He is the genuine messianic king who makes David's throne eternal. That's what he's saying. I'm that guy. I'm the one that was prophesied about. I'm the messianic king that will sit on the throne of David forever. Like, I'm not one that gets put up and then comes down. This is what, was, this is what the prophets were saying. I'm, the, I'm that one who sits on David's throne and, and has the keys, as we're going to get into. It's important that we understand what Jesus is saying. Now, I want you just to take a little journey to Acts chapter 2. It's so cool how Scripture, all throughout in the Old and the New Testament, come together to clarify for us what Jesus is saying. This is what um, Peter is speaking in the, in the book of Acts. He says, brethren, or fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. So, so Peter's explaining what we just read to um, the people in the day right after Jesus died and was resurrected. He says, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, 
that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Now, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see now and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and to the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? How many of you know when the truth comes and it's under anointing? That's what happens. You go, what should we do? It was the truth. He just basically said, hey, it's you guys who crucified this Messiah who I'm talking about, who David had already predicted and said would come, that he would sit on the throne. You are the ones who crucified him. And it cut him to the, to the core. And they said, what should we do? And you know what? It's the same thing that we're going through in our witnessing courses. You bring that law. You bring that truth that they've sinned, that they violated God's law. And the correct answer then is, what should we do? Because you ask the question, does it concern you? Yes. Then the next thing is, what should we do? Amen. Isn't that beautiful? He goes on, verse 37, it says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, What shall we do? Peter replied, Here's, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now look at this. This is so awesome. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This, I want to show you this verse because this is very important. There's a lot of people who don't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today. The largest particular of Christians don't believe that it's for today. So you need to know, what, where do we know, where do we have like exact word in Scripture that tells us that it is for today? Here you go. 239, what's he say? The promise is for you. So he's speaking to them, your children, and then this word, this three-letter word, all who are what? Afar off. So he's going through generation for you, for your children, and for all who are afar off. Are you afar off? Yep. We just read in, in, the, um, in 1 Corinthians that until that which is perfect comes, that which is imperfect or that which isn't complete, which we know in part, is going to be here. So this is for us. And it goes on and says, for all whom the Lord our God will call, not has called. Will call. That's future tense. Amen. A lot of people, a lot of different churches will say, well, that was for the apostles. And it stopped with the apostles. That's just not what the Bible says. It's for all who are a fall off, who God will call. I'm pretty sure God had already called the apostles. They're doing their work right there. But he says it's for those who he will call. Amen. Is it? Am I taking any leaps in this or are we... We need to know that. You need to be confident about who the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for, who the, the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for. It is for us, for this time, so that we can be witnesses in this dark world. Amen? Amen. I'm glad you agree. 
goes to verse 40, says, With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation, church. We should be doing that. We need to be pleading with people, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Is this generation corrupt? Our job in our, as Christians is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and pleading with people, save yourself from this generation. Save yourself from this. It goes on to say, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. I believe that day is still here. I totally believe we're going to see great outpourings, but we're going to have to do what the early church did. We're going to have to preach and say what the early church said. We're going to have to believe that this is still for today. Amen? Which means you're going to have to not just believe it in your heart, you're going to have to take action steps and do it. Not just me, because I'm not that special. It's not for you just to bring people to me so I can get them saved. It's not just for you to bring people to me so they can get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not just for you to bring people to me so they can get healed. You know why? Because we're all kingdom priests. We're all sons and daughters of the Most High. We've all been given the baptism, the ability to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've all been given the ability to be saved. We've all been given the ability to become the bride of Christ. We've all been given the Great Commission to go into the world and make disciples. We've all been given that. Amen? Who's the Holy Spirit for? All. He says all twice. It's all who are far off and all who will be called. Amen? This isn't an exclusive club. Isaiah 22. So cool how God uses the Old Testament, the New Testament. He's speaking the same language. Isaiah 22, 22. I'm going to talk about the keys. This was a prophetic word. It says, and I will clothe him with your tunic and tie your sash securely around him. I will hand your authority over to him, and he will become a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Then I will put the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. Hey, does that sound familiar? He says, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. And who shuts and no one will open says this. Yeah, he's saying, yeah, that's me. I'm him. I'm the one who David was prophesying about. I'm the one who Isaiah was prophesying about. I'm the one that the old covenant was pointing towards. I am he. And yes, I have keys which provide authority. What I open, no one can close. What I close, no one can open. Church, we're in good shape. <laughs> Let me tell you. It might look like all hell's breaking loose. It might not look like the church is in a good place. We're in a good place. And as we get in, and, and I wish I could share with you because we don't have time to get into it, but next week you're going to see how good of a place we're in. Um, let me conclude. It says, to the, to the key, or the key to the house of David. Here's my notes on that verse. The key to the house of David represents both spiritual and civil authority. You need to understand something. This isn't, because that, in that time, they would have a big ring. My, my daughter has one that's almost, almost that size. I mean, she's got a big ring on her key, and it makes me think of this. Now, they couldn't put that over their shoulder, but in that day, there was this big ring, and they would, you know how you could put like, your arm through something, and it comes across, and they'd have the keys hanging on that. 
everywhere they went, people were able to see, like, oh, he's got the authority. He's got the keys. Like, that's Jesus. That authority sits on his shoulder. And he's called us to be kingdom priests, which means that authority has been given to us just like the father gave it to his son. His son has given it to us, which we're going to look at coming up. That is some ridiculously awesome power and authority. It's not just for physical things. It's not just so I can go lock up the church and, okay, we're good. We can lock up spiritual things, like, like this snake thing. That's going to go on lockdown. We can unlock things. We need healing to happen in this body. We need miracles, signs, and wonders to start up. Open them up. Unlock them. You've got the keys in the, to the kingdom. Amen? Like, maybe those things aren't happening because we're not operating in the authority that we have. Maybe some stuff's going on because we're not operating in the authority that we have to lock it, put a, put a close on it. Say, so no further. This stops here. Why? Because Not because I'm something. It's because my father has given me authority. He's given me the keys to the kingdom. I can bind and I can loose. And I can say, not on my watch. I'm locking that up. You can't come in here and steal, kill, and destroy. Why? Because my father's given me that authority. There's no greater authority. I don't have to go and ask anyone else. What he did was enough, church. We just took communion. What he did was enough. There's nothing more he has to do. He said, it is finished. My job is to believe it. My job is to read it and understand and dive into his word and understand what I am and who he has called me to be and then walk in that level of authority and anointing. Amen? To lay a key on the shoulder refers to the custom when a person of authority secured the keys on his shoulder, which indicates the trust and authority that has been given to him. God has trusted you. He has trusted me with authority. Well, that's a beautiful thing. He trusts you. He's given you authority. He's given you the keys to the kingdom. Which indicates the trust and authority. The name in, in that passage was a man um, that, that this actually happened with, but it's speaking of the future Messiah. His name was Eliakim, and that means God established. God established this. Aren't you excited? God has established this. We don't have to worry about what, what, what we're, we're established on, what the church is established on, what our doctrine is established on, what we believe is established on, what the keys are established on, the authority that we have. It's God established. There's nothing greater to establish it. And that goes into, that's why we're having church. And, and, and praise God, like California or the, the Supreme Court said, we can have church now. Yay. But that power doesn't come from him. The keys to the kingdom lay on my God's and my, my Savior's shoulder. He has the keys. He has all authority. What he opens is open. What he closes is closed. No government has a right to open and close what he's opened and closed. He's opened it. He, we have an open door. He said, I put before you an open door. So go. Not go lock yourself up in your house. I'm sorry, my door's open. It's been opened, and no man is going to close that door that God has opened. This church age is for the church to be his witnesses, to bring the kingdom of light into a dark place. The door's been opened. I ain't going to let no one close that door. Not because 
I'm being rebellious because I understand authority. There's a higher authority. The government rests on his shoulders. Come on. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and the King of Kings, and the government is on his shoulders. And he has the keys of David to open and close doors. Church, he's the answer to politics. You need to hear me. Jesus is the answer to the political problems. We're not going to fix those things in the natural. That ship has sailed. The government's on his shoulders. So take a chill pill and get about your father's business. And go bind some things that need to be bound and go unlock some things that need to be unlocked. He's the answer. He's the answer to the problem. It's not Q. It's not Z or A or B or whatever the heck else comes up in the future. It's not that. That's not the answer. My faith isn't in that. My faith is in my king and my Lord and my prince of peace. Why do I have peace? Because he's the prince of peace. And he's my father. And he's endued me with power. To lock and unlock. So if things start getting rough, I'm just going to go lock that up. Like, that's enough of that. You settle down. We need some more joy. Let's go open up some joy. Praise the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In his presence, the fullness of joy. Let's just open that up. Let's get in his presence. You hearing me? This is a lot simpler than we are making it out to be. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. The government rests on his shoulders. That was declared in Isaiah. When, before he even came into the earth, just to let you know, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and the government will be on his shoulders. So take it off of your shoulders. Church, take this government off your shoulders. Take this political nonsense off your shoulders and let it rest on his. Didn't he say, my yoke is easy, church? My burden is like, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest in him. Our future's bright. It's so bright you're going to need sunglasses. Our future's bright. I'm not scared. The king of kings is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Woo-hoo-hoo! On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with what? Justice and righteousness from then on and where? Forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Ooh, who's going to accomplish that? The zeal of the Lord of armies. The Lord of heaven's armies will accomplish this. Church, the Lord of heaven's armies will accomplish this. We're good. Relax. Rest in the Lord. We're in good hands. Who opens and and shuts and shuts 
and no one opens. Church, we're in good hands. The Lord's been opening and closing doors for a long time. We're going to get into that next week. Look at some examples. Amen? Now, if you get an opportunity to go back and look at the Acts chapter 2, I want you to look at how the Lord has the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you to be empowered for today. You need to get that settled in your mind. Like, the day and times that you're in, you should want as much power, as much armor, as much good stuff that you can possibly have for this day. Amen? And you, if you're not sure, like, please listen to me. If you're not quite sure, because I know we have people from different places, and if you're not sure what that is, I'd love to help you sit down and show you biblically. There's, there's plenty of people in this church that can help you do that. Here's what I know. Jesus is the baptizer. John said, they were coming to John to baptize in water. He said, one's coming that will baptize with fire. That's what that is. So it's not me that does it. It's Jesus that baptizes. How many know that Jesus only gives good gifts? He only distributes good gifts. So you don't have to be worried. Like, well, I don't know. I've heard that's of the devil. Well, I can promise you the devil's never wanted to give you a good gift. And there is some false things that are out there. But the fact that there's false doesn't discredit the fact that there's a real. Because people only make counterfeits of things that are real. And things that are of a high value. You don't counterfeit pennies. Counterfeit $100 bills. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being our midst. Thank you for your word. Man, it is so awesome to have your word to, so we can know where we're at, know who we are, know how to do battle, know where we can be confident, know what's yours and know what's ours. I thank you, Jesus, for letting us know that you told your disciples, I, got, I must go so the comforter can come, so the ecclesia, the, the paraclete, my bad, the one who walks alongside of us would come to build us up, to encourage us, to empower us. Lord, we want that. We want everything you have for us because we know we need it. Your word says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Thank you for your light, Lord. Thank you for shining it on us. Thank you that we can walk in it and have fellowship with one another and you. So, Lord, we just pray that we continue to walk in the light. I pray, Lord, for those who are um, wrestling with, with the different cares of this world and the politics and the government and all these things. Lord, I pray that just lay it on the altar. Let, let you carry that. You've already got the keys to the kingdom. The government's on your shoulders. We thank you for that. We rest in what you're doing. We know it's a great plan. Lord, I just declare peace over this body. And Lord, I pray that as people hunger and thirst for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they will be filled in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be dismissed.